This is the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast, and I am Mike Riccio, longtime personal trainer, professional strength coach, gym owner, and most importantly, a devoted modern father and husband. I've been fortunate to learn under some of the most intelligent minds in health and fitness over the past 15 years, as well as work with amazing clients and athletes. What I've most fallen in love with over the years is the power we have over our lives, the power to decrease risk of disease and injury, the power to reach our true potential, the deep abilities the body is capable of when all aspects of health are working simultaneously. On this podcast, you will learn the importance of preventative health and how to optimize your habits to optimize your life. Hi, listeners. This is Mike, and here we go. I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving and hope everyone is ready for the rest of the holiday season here. Today, we're going to go a little different in terms of the type of guests. Today, we are going to talk with financial advisor and professional David Chuddick of Parallel Financial in South Carolina. David is also the podcast host of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, where I was honored to be a guest recently, where we talked a lot about the similarities between financial health and fitness health and how a lot of the tactics are are very consistent. Day-to-day focus, intentionality, patience, just a lot of carryovers. So today, David was kind enough to come and speak to us about financial health and some of the tactics he uses with his clientele. And I was able to walk away with some things I wanted to do differently right away. And I know that you will have the same response. You know, when when we talk about health on our side a lot, we talk about the five pillars and one of those being stress. And stress really is this general term that almost anything can affect. Death of loved ones, sick loved ones, loss of a job, or just day-to-day buildup of what we might think of as minor anxieties that that manifest as, as stress that becomes a physical detriment to our health. Money, I'm sure many will agree, is a major stressor for people. And though having money doesn't necessarily guarantee you won't have stress, typically the stress of what you will have in retirement, the stress of what you can do now financially, builds up a lot and it does carry over into our health and our happiness and our our sleep and the other pillars. So as we always talk about, if one pillar is down, we have to focus on the other ones because we are automatically in danger of other pillars falling. So listen in, get the same takeaways I did. I, I know you'll be happy you did. And if you have any questions, please reach out to David. All his information will be in the show notes on the website, www.lifestyleasmedicinepodcast.com. And of course, don't forget to rate and review. Enjoy. All right, listeners, we are on with David. David, I really appreciate you joining me today. Hey, how are you? You having a good, having a good day so far? So far, so good. As I said in our pre-talk, I've been excited about this one. I will fully admit that when it came to me and my brother, my brother is the more financially wealthy, the financially healthy and just a little smarter on the financial side. It's something that I've I've always had to really work for and find education on. So I know I'm going to learn a lot from you today. But before we get too far, I'd love to hear just a little bit of, of background on you and how you got to doing what you are today. 
Yeah, geez, how do where, where do I get started? Um, I've always been interested in money in the sense that you know, growing up, we weren't homeless, but there was a, there were always just some of the talks on you know we can't afford that or or um, you know we don't have as much money as you know the quote those people. So I've always thought you know why why are some people why are they, why do they have a little bit more abundant of a financial life than others. And um, yeah, so I uh, in college I drove a lot from from jobs to school, and I would listen to uh, back then on the radio. Could you imagine that? Not podcast <laughs> or ex, uh, a guy named Bob Brinker, and he had the Money Talk show, and he would just yep. talk about which stocks and bonds to buy. And and you know I remember he would say that if you would have put a thousand dollars into X Y Z stock, now you'd have seventeen thousand dollars. And I was like. Holy crap! If I can say that, you know, I, um, you know, I just, uh, you know, working for seven or eight dollars an hour back then—that's a lot of hours that 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 I would have made by not working. So then I heard, I heard that uh, you know there are two things that work: there's money, and then there's people. So nobody makes, or not nobody, but very few people make enough money from their salary or their job to get to where they're truly living an abundant lifestyle. But when you get your money working for you, then it's kind of a whole different ball game. So in college, I actually taught tennis. Was never the greatest tennis player as far as like a world-class player, but I was really, really good. But that was in a way a kind of a commission-only job because, you know, if I talk to you about having your kids play tennis and then you're paying for lessons, you know, I got a piece of that revenue. So that taught me kind of that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, graduated college and and I got a job, a um, couple jobs out of college um, as a financial services rep at a little insurance office, and then I I, I was able to buy an insurance agency and we incorporate uh, financial services in there, and then you know I started the podcast. Uh, we're going on two years ago now because number one, I just quite frankly I'm a geek and I like talking about this stuff, but number two, there's just how we handle our money just affects all parts of our life, including your part, the health. Because if I'm really stressed out, I'm sure you and I can talk about all the medical issues that that result from stress. So, so by spreading some financial good good cheer, if that can help people to reduce stress, have their money under control, and every once in a while, if somebody becomes a client, because I don't turn down clients, and you know I need revenue also, but it's just a good way to kind of give back to the world and teach teach people how to make financial decisions because you know i'm sure there have been times in your life where you've been relatively okay financially and then other times when you haven't and quite frankly the times when you're okay financially those are much better than the times when you're really struggling financially you know absolutely and i and you're right you know when we talked about the pillars in the past of health and stress being a big one it's also a it's kind of a catch-all too because that's there's so many things that can cause stress but absolutely financial is a huge one. And I, I have to admit, I am one of those people that rolls their eyes a little bit when people say, you know, you know, you don't need money to be happy. And while I, that is of course, some truth to it, when you are someone who has struggled financially, it's just a hard, it's a hard statement to really empathize with, I guess you would say. It is, but let, let's think about it this way. This is something that happened to me last week. I live in Oconee County, South Carolina, and there's a, a Facebook group called Helping Hands of Oconee. And there's a lady who's putting together sponsors for kids for Christmas presents. So you could say money doesn't make you happy, but if you can't buy Christmas presents for your kids, that's a bad place to be. It is. 
on the other side, I would love to sponsor hundreds of kids, you know, at, at hundreds of dollars each. And guess what? That takes money. So money does not create happiness. And I've had the one of the more miserable people I've ever known was a former client that was worth several million dollars and couldn't live on the $40,000 a month that he was withdrawing. And there's just always somebody wanting money from him and he just couldn't handle it. So yes, the money did not solve his problems, but, but, but lack of money or lack of handling of our money properly absolutely creates problems. There's no question about it. Well, that's a great point. It doesn't automatically mean you aren't stressed. It just typically is a stress point for those who do struggle to do things like you said, put food on the table, make Christmas memorable for their for their kids, yeah. and so on. Yeah, you know, we've we talked briefly in the past about just the the amazing comparisons and similarities between fitness and financials. And you know, when I hear, you know, I've looked up some of your videos, when I hear some of the advice that that you give, it's eerily similar to the words that come come out of my mouth. So, you know, I, I guess I'd like to start at the beginning. You know, I, I was fortunate. The person that I worked with was referred by a, like a brother to me, a very close friend who I've known for 25 years and his family had been working with this person forever. But before that, my search for someone was somewhat stressful. How does someone find somebody like you who really isn't in the know about this realm at all? So, you know, a, a couple of things that I look for is number one, you have to like the person that you're working with. So just like if, if you were my personal trainer, yeah, there probably be sometimes I literally hate you maybe on that last rep when you're barely getting the chest off of my, uh, the bench off my chest, but ultimately we need to kind of agree on what my goals are. And I have to feel like you have the ability to help me with my goals and you're going to listen to me, obviously as a trainer. I would be hiring you for your knowledge, but um, if I'm looking to, I don't know, lean up and everything you're doing is helping me to bulk up, that's not the same goal. So, so you know, I need to trust you that you have the ability to to help me. The other thing in the financial advising world is typically it's much more advantageous to work with somebody who is independent and not necessarily tied to one of the huge names. Independent uh, registered investment advisors, they just have they have more options and they don't necessarily have any kind of proprietary pressure to kind of sell this product or that product. Um, our firm, we're just fiduciary. So we just, we do what's right for the client. We have the entire universe of investments. So if there's a stock or a bond or an ETF or even a private equity holding, we can, you know, we can make that advice and we can make it happen for you. And um, thirdly, know how your, you know, how your advisor is getting paid. Now you don't work for free. Nobody works for free, but there are certain types of people that call themselves financial advisors that earn bigger commissions on certain types of products. And, and again, you want to work with the, the terminology really is a registered investment advisor. That's someone who can charge just a fee typically. And then, um, then there's really no pressure to sell a certain company or a certain type of product. You can just do what is best for, for the client. Interesting. So I guess let's let's kind of go through these a little sure. bit, you know. Because I one when you go when you go back to the first one again similarities, liking someone there is a likability with anything. Anytime you work with someone on a one-on-one basis, it just is part of the equation. And sometimes you just gain comfort, right, with mm-hmm. with getting to know 
somebody. And then of course, I guess that can go the other side too, though, right? Sometimes people stay with people that they like too long. And I know I see that a lot in fitness where people stay loyal and you say, well, where are your results? And they go, well, I don't know, but I really like him. He's and a nice I, guy. And I'd feel yeah. bad if I quit. Yeah. I'm so still fat, but he's a nice guy. Exactly. That's exactly it. So I want to talk with my, my question is in the results side of that. Now, obviously the bank account grows, that's a win, but what are other ways you measure results with, you know, when working with somebody? Yeah, that's really interesting because yes, the account sizes matter. I mean, there's no question about it, but there are other parts of, of financial planning that need to be addressed. So you're a guy, you have, you have some kids, you know, has somebody made sure that you have a will and power of attorney and those kind of things in place. Now your financial advisor typically can't draw up wills or anything like that. So there's no financial incentive, but none of this matters. If, um, you know, if you get hit by a truck and, you know, hypothetically, let's say you're someone who's been married seven times and, and, and we never changed your beneficiary. So your first wife from seven marriages ago now gets all your money and your current wife that you actually love and your kids. So those, you know, some of those intangible things really need to be looked at. Sure. The other thing that's just, it's hard to measure, but it's just the sleep at night factor. So are you able as a client to sleep at night with the plan that's put in place? Do we have, do we have a plan for each area of weakness to where we're at least moving in the right direction? And then are we also comfortable with the amount of risk being taken? So my job is to help a client to have their money in the right place for them. Now that's different than maybe potentially where my money should be or where your money should be because different ages, different risk tolerance. And maybe sometimes, you know, it's like, Hey, before we invest, let's pay off this big credit card debt and things like that. But um, that sleep at night factor is just huge for, for anybody. Cause ultimately what is money? Money used to be paper and, and, and precious metals. Now it's credits and debits that are digital, but ultimately all it does is it gives options. So if your money's being handled properly, you have options. And even if you go go as far as some insurances are just money at a triggering event. So if God forbid you didn't make it home and the triggering event, unfortunately, would be your passing. Now your parents from life ins- your, your your wife from life insurance would have a big chunk of money and that certainly she would trade to have you back. But if that's not an option, that money gives her options on, on maybe not to work for a while or to keep the house or pay off the house or who knows what. So, so money is options. Sure. Yeah. Well, it, it's exactly what it is. I, you know, I heard, forget where I heard it, but you know, people want money for two reasons. They either want things or they want time. And I mm-hmm. would put options in the time side of that. And I've always considered myself the time person. I, mm-hmm. I do strive to be financially comfortable because in my mind, that means I can coach my children. I can, I can not miss the valuable events. My father worked four jobs growing up to, to keep us probably in a very similar area you were in. You know, we were, we were not, I wouldn't, we were not dirt poor. We had, we had a home, we lived in a safe neighborhood, but he was a cop. My mom was a nurse. We weren't, we weren't rich by any means. And he had to work a lot of jobs to keep us, but that also meant sacrifice. Mm-hmm. He didn't make it to every game. He didn't get to bring us to every practice. He didn't bring us to school or pick us up. That just wasn't, it wasn't a part of his. So money brings comfort as well. No, no question. 
it, it brings comfort and we all have to kind of decide how much comfort is appropriate for us, you know, especially like with our kids, like how much, how much comfort do you want to give your kids as they grow, you know, to their teenage years? Do you want them maybe to suffer and work for some things? Or do you want to kind of just give them a new car as opposed to working for it? And if you don't have money, the only option is to make your kid work for it. If you do have money, then the then as a parent, you get to have the option of I'm going to wake make my kid work for it, or I'm going to give it to my kid, or some combination. So the money gives you the option. Doesn't mean you have to give them the car. You could say, hey, save up X amount from from cutting grass, and I'll match it. You know, but if you don't have the money, that's not even an option. So so that's just one example of how money gives options uh, for what we can do and how we can live. So speaking of options, I'd like to get into a couple of specific realms. You know, it, again, the trainer world, I love these comparisons. We, we have short-term and long-term goals, and there are certain things we have to accomplish short-term in, or, in order to open the door for long-term. I know my financial advisor has talked about a specific number that we would have to grow my portfolio to before we could start taking different risks and get into different realms of things. And, um, and, and he's been great about being good on the educational side of things. So I understand why we're waiting for this number. And I guess my, my question is, is a little more on the system. How does that work? How does long-term planning on the financial advisor side? I realize people just want to collect so they don't have to, you know, they can retire without having to worry about it. But how does that work on, on your side? What are aspects you're looking for? How does the you know market, you know, what are little things that you can teach our educator or our, our audience about your side of that spectrum? Sure. So if, if we're looking at kind of how do you choose where your money should go? So like your allocation, mm-hmm. we all should have either a professional who has a, a system or develop our own systems. And, and you can Google, you can buy books on investment systems, but I always use the, use the example, you know, I'm holding my, my iPhone here. Well, I like my Apple iPhone and I have several Apple products and they're really, really good products. Now, the mistake that a lot of people make is they say, Ooh, Apple makes a really good phone, so I should own stock in Apple. Now, because Apple makes a good phone doesn't necessarily mean that their fundamentals are sound. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's not excessive debt. It doesn't necessarily mean that cash flows are adequate. So kind of fundamental analysis and looking at the back end of stocks and holdings to see if they are healthy companies is very important. Now, that can be done individually. Or, you know, a financial advisor or or an institutional advisor can do that for you. And then also kind of knowing what your investment philosophy is for different buckets of money. So you yourself should have, you know, somewhere between two and 10 or 12 months of, of, of emergency funds in cash in case income stops. So you have to have a philosophy for that bucket of money. And that bucket is pretty much, hey, we don't expect it to grow but it can't lose. So that's kind of the system for it. Then I'm just kind of making up hypotheticals. I know you have some younger kids. You might have a midterm bucket that's for college. So that can take a little bit of risk, but not a lot because there's not a big time horizon to make up a a, a significant loss because we don't know what's going to happen in the market. I mean, over time, it's going to go up, but if you have a 10, 15 year time horizon, who knows? Right. And then you may have that retirement bucket that's, you know, for 30, 40 years from now, your system and your philosophy on that one 
probably should be, you know, we can afford to take some more risks and we can weather the ups and downs. So if I had a hundred thousand and, um, you know, it goes down to, uh, you know, 85,000. Yeah. I mean, that stinks, but when, when you're 30 years away from needing that pool of money, it honestly is a buying signal, if nothing else, uh, and you should buy more. So you might get depressed by looking in your at your statement, but ultimately it doesn't matter until you need that bucket of money to use it. How do you, you mentioned buy more in those situations. I have to assume that fear is a big part. People start seeing these numbers drop and I'm sure people rush to say, well, I'm going to stop the bleeding. How do you educate that person to stay patient? Yeah. So I, I use down to earth examples. Okay. So I don't know how much gas costs where you live, but right now we're at $3 a gallon. You know, last year was at two or something above two. So I, I like to talk simply. I will tell the client, Hey, if you drove down the block to that gas station, that's less than a mile from us. And if I told you gas had dropped from $3 to $1.50, would you say, Oh my God, I'll never buy gas again. Gas is such a buy, horrible buy. Or would you fill up milk jugs and either try to sell it to me for $3 or just store it until you could use it? So people use performance chasing with stocks and investments. So they say, Ooh, XYZ stock is going up. I should buy it. Well, you've missed some of the gain with that. Or they'll say, Oh, XYZ is is gone down or is low, I shouldn't buy it because it's bad. Well, that's the opposite way to look at it when something, you know, it's very simple, buy low, sell high. Now you can't see the future. So you don't know if something's going to go up, but if it's been going up for, for years, you know, you've already missed some of, some of the, uh, some of the game. Um, so those are some of the ways to do that. But, um, and our firm talks a lot about emotional investing and um, how to how to take the emotion out of investing. And honestly, that's why we believe that having uh, a, a disinterested third party is, yeah. is better because there are times where people may hold a stock, again, for like a company that they like, and they don't sell it, even though it fundamentally is not a good company to hold because of the, uh, um, you know, the financials of it, but they say, Hey, I own this and I like it. So I can't sell it where my grandfather left me this stock. I can't sell this stock. Well, if it's not a good stock to hold, your grandfather would probably like you to sell it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He didn't leave you a stock as a, as a trophy. It's not a memento. Right. I did it in hopes that you would be able to use it and benefit from it because that's why he, mm-hmm. that's why family leaves money in general, right? Help you out in life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that gas analogy. I love cause it, cause you're right. It makes so much sense and it forces you to step out of your thought bubble for a second and say, well, I guess that's true. If that gas mm-hmm. dropped, if I was able to, I'd probably hoard it yep. with whatever, with whatever I do have available financially, because it's going to save me money or in your case, make me money yep. later on. Or you could just say, hey, you know, I just bought gas for $1.50. You call your buddy and say, hey, I'll sell you gas for $2.50. And you literally just make a dollar immediately because you'd have you'd have equity in it. So, so uh, you know, I don't know who you voted for politically. I don't care. But, um, you know, during the election, you know, half of the country was saying, if this guy gets elected, the market's going to go to zero. And the other half were right. saying, if this guy gets elected, it's going to go to thing. zero. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Through all different administrations and, and and parties being in charge, over time the markets have always gone up. So even 
you know, people always think, well, you know, if this guy gets elected, well, no, I mean, yeah, there's going to be ups and downs, but during Democratic administrations and Republican administrations, and actually, you know, in my part of the country, if you ask most people, has the market generally performed better under Democrats or Republicans, 99% of the people would say Republicans. That's actually not a fact. A fact is that it's done slightly better over the last, I think it's 60 years over Democrats. Now, sometimes there's lag time. So what happens now might be as a result of who was in, in power two sure. years ago. But the point is, who's president? does not have that much effect on on the stock markets in general. There's so many other factors. And could you, and maybe this is a loaded question, but could you name a few of the ones you would that come to your mind that say are way bigger factors that people could look out for? Yeah, I mean, what the Fed's doing. So the Fed's keeping interest rate, rates low. So back in 19, in the 80s, uh, I'm just going to make up numbers. Let's say you yep. had um, $200,000 that you didn't want to take much risk in. My advice would have been, well, let's take that. Let's put it into a CD. You're going to get eight or 9% and it's guaranteed. So you don't need to invest that money into mutual funds or anything like that, where there's some risk. 8% is going to be guaranteed. Well, now with interest rates low because of Fed actions, you literally have no place where you can put cash and get anything that's significantly above zero. So, you know, you might get 0.01% on that same 200,000, which I don't even have to do the math on that. It's like 50 bucks. So people are putting that money into the markets because there's no other alternative and that's driving prices up. So, you know, the Fed in theory is independent of the president. So there's no president saying to do that, but that's kind of one of those options. Now, the other thing, you know, I mean, cryptocurrencies, we're not going to really get into, but that's kind of another type of investment that's kind of independent of, of, of who the president is at, at any one time. And it's been around for, for, for several presidents. So, so there's a lot that, um, that, that happens. And then there's, you know, I guess presidents are maybe indirectly uh, uh, control maybe what other countries are doing tariff wise with us to that could, uh, you know, affect um, prices of our goods that we are exporting. So there's a lot of them, but it's kind of like the coach of, of, a, of a team. The coach gets too much credit when, when the team wins, because ultimately the players have to you know, shoot the ball in the hoop. Um, and the coach gets too much blame when they lose, you know, any one specific game. Now, if you're losing too many games over the course of time, yeah, the coach probably, but you know, any one game, I mean, you know, I mean, you're in Chicago, you give the ball to Jordan. Right. I mean, I could have coached that. I mean, that's not that hard. You know, I mean, <laughs> here's the strategy, right. give it, give it to Jordan, you know? Um, so, so yeah, that, that's kind of my philosophy on, on, on the president yeah. uh, uh, argument with the stock markets. Yeah. Yeah, no, which you probably wouldn't have coached is Steve Kerr getting it, getting it one time, but that yeah, um, well, that's true. <laughs> no, actually, that was Jordan's decision, so I never mind. You, you tell, yeah, just give it all to Jordan. Bad, Whatever he wants to do is going to work out. Yeah, it's a bad example now that I think back to the specific play. What is your opinion? You know, you mentioned you driving when you first getting started and listening to you know the the radio host and talking about you know giving advice. Mm-hmm. In your in your field, I'm not sure how this is working, but in ours, that's becoming more prevalent. Where you know, it's just this is the information age, this is the social media age, this is the internet age, where everybody is, everyone has an opinion, everyone has a show. You don't have to be a professional anymore to have a platform. Right. So so and people are attempting more than ever on the fitness side for sure to do things for zero dollars, mm-hmm. which I understand. People, if you can aim for budget friendly, people are attempting to, even if history tells you. Most people are, I mean, 
almost none are succeeding at that type of realm. What is your opinion of, you know, the, the Robinhood app and, you know, all these systems that are around now where people are able to do their own thing without someone like you in their corner? Right. So I can give you an example. My wife worked as a school nurse so that our, mostly so that our kids could go to the school district that we wanted them to go to. And she made um, very, very little money. So, you know, she, she took one for the team. She did, she did a job she didn't particularly like for our family at almost honestly an insulting wage. So we moved into the school district and then she got a new job making more than double the money that, that she was making. So our plan was we're going to give ourselves a little bit of a lifestyle increase, take just some of the money, the difference between her old salary and the new salary, and just have a nicer life, go out to eat it once more, buy something, uh, whatever. And then the rest of it's going to get invested. Okay. Now, I don't have the barrier that maybe even you might, as far as, you know, I don't know where to open up an account. It's, I don't know where to, I don't have that. It took us like seven months to start investing that money because now that there was more money coming into the household, there was always something to buy. Just something that, uh, you know, I mean, we needed a new lawnmower. I mean, the old one just, we couldn't live, right? So, you know, there's one month where we buy a lawnmower, another one. So Robinhood, um, you know, do-it-yourself fitness apps, all of those things are great potentially if you actually do it. And that's the problem. So me, who literally would just have to log on to my own financial advisor software and press a button to say, transfer X amount of dollars from, from my personal checking account to the investment account every month on the same day, it's already set up. I didn't do it for a while. And if I didn't have access that easily, you know, what is someone who doesn't have access, who actually needs to call a financial advisor or just go on to Robinhood or go on the Charles Schwab and open up their own account, which, you know, every company is going to say it should take 60 seconds, but it's going to take more than that. You're going to have to upload a picture of your driver's license. And these are all just obstacles of things that you probably, there's a good chance you just won't do it. And then, you know, you, you blink your eye a year's past, you blink your eye another year, then you blink another eye and you're old, then you blink another eye, you're 80 and broke. So the biggest thing that a financial advisor does and, and a personal trainer, honestly, is they just, they make you do the stuff that you need to do um, and put deadlines and, 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 you know, coach, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that your personal training services are excellent, but if I wanted to reach some mediocre level of fitness, I kind of already know what to do. I just, unless I know that you're waiting for me at the gym and I'm paying you regardless of if I show up, you know, I may, you know, I'm going to probably miss a few workouts. Yeah. Well, you're exactly right. And to prove your point even further, I had a Robin app, Robin hood app before I started working with my financial advisor. I did nothing with it. They give you you know, a free stock, you know, a really cheap stock when you yeah. first open. So every, uh, every month, every week or every month, I still get an email with my, you know, my, my account update. So I guess for all, I know that that free stock blew up. I know that's not the case actually, but you know, but I never looked at it. I never did anything with it because I knew I would have to go learn and go do stuff. And that was just a lot of time mm-hmm. that I, that I, is my intentions were there. It was so much more worth it for me to say, I have someone I can trust now because I had a good referral that I trusted into it just here. And then now, and actually it was the biggest load off my shoulders because I felt like I made a really smart decision for my future 
And I freed up time, time I wasn't spending anyway, but time that I kept trying to force in. It's that mental energy. So remember the purpose of, of what we're trying to do with a financial plan is just to help you to sleep at night. You know, we're not necessarily now, like you said, you're, you have a number that you want your accounts to get to and your financial advisor has done some calculations, which is great. And that's quite frankly, why he or she is getting paid. But after that, you can now sleep at night saying, we know the number, we have a general plan to get there. We're not procrastinating. So now I can go to bed and I can sleep. Whereas if it's just relying on the Robinhood app and there's no other plan in place, then, you know, there is that mental energy of, Hey, you know, I was on this message board and they said to buy this X, Y, Z one. And I don't know if I should or shouldn't. And then there's, you know, paralysis by analysis. So, you know, just that guidance of doing something um, is, is going to be just tremendously. And, and, you know, another analogy, there may be some trainers that have a slightly different philosophy than you. And guess what? You both can be right. I mean, there are several different ways to accumulate wealth. So it's not that you're right and the other one's wrong. And maybe even my body might just react better to the other trainer's philosophies, but um, I'm definitely going to act better to you than if I were doing nothing. So, you know, doing something is better than nothing. If, if there's just a rational reason behind it. Absolutely. And Again, back to one of your other points, which one are you going to stick with? Right. Sometimes mm-hmm. the best plan is the one you're actually going to execute. Maybe one would have got results a little faster, but it doesn't matter if you would have executed that plan. I, right. I call it the gas pedal of the brake. There's a lot of our habits that can fast forward my, my fitness, my health results, or slow them down. Neither is wrong necessarily, assuming you don't have a, a disease or something that is actually time sensitive. But most people are not going to be able to follow the quicker fixes. It's not that they don't exist at all. It's that Mm -hmm. they take a high level of discipline, Mm -hmm. which sounds like it's the same in the financial side. Oh, yeah, there, there is there is no no question. One of the things that our firm tries to do is we manage our portfolios to the extent that we can to reduce volatility. So our our portfolios because we know that human nature is oh crap my portfolio just went down let me right. get out because this is the one time in history that the quote markets and and by the way the markets don't really exist the markets is not a thing the markets are right. a bunch of different holdings so you're not really investing in the, the market you're investing in a bunch of different stocks so is it a rational thought that every stock you own is going to go to zero no, that's not a rational thought. Now, have stocks gone to zero? Of course. I mean, companies have gone bankrupt, but with a good plan, you know, you have diversification and just the proverbial eggs are not in all in all, all your eggs are not in one basket. It makes perfect sense. And as I was listening to you give the example of your of you and your wife and how much you allocate yourself, and we're gonna go out to eat this many times. I think that's the level of specifics that people miss on. I think you allow mm-hmm. yourself to just go by emotion. And, and that's where people get into trouble. We call it workout of the day. In my yep. facility, I do not want to be a workout of the day. And actually, in a staff meeting this morning, we we're talking with the staff. We say, you know, when, when I look and I analyze a program for somebody, what's important for me to see is that it's logical, it doesn't hurt you, and that you can tell a story. There is clearly a path that is leading somewhere versus in this snapshot, this is a really good workout. Well, great. You know, that 45 minutes caused a lot of effort, but if it doesn't make sense for the storyline, 
it's still probably not going to give us the outcome that we're desiring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on the money side, there's a couple different ways to look at it. I like to go backwards. So you do the calculations, either you or working with an advisor. And again, going back to, you know, you have a number that you want to get to and, and presumably there's kind of a, you know, I need to do, I need to invest X amount per month to get there. And there's been some calculations. Once you do that, then there's more freedom to kind of have some flexibility on the other end on vacations or just stuff because you know there's nothing wrong with stuff there's nothing wrong with you know enjoying a family weekend or buying a nice toy for your kids or anything like that but if you if you if you take care of what needs to happen first which depending on your beliefs would be giving and then you also have um you know saving the, the right amount after that now you can you can sleep at night saying you know what I followed the plan. X amount of money went into the um, investment accounts. Now, um, you know, it's kid's birthday this month and, you know, we're going to, they've been good. We're going to, we're going to go a little bit, you know, a little bit overboard and that's okay. Um, and you can sleep at night knowing that. So, so handle the first things first. And that opens up the freedom to do, uh, to splurge when, when appropriate. Yeah. Which going full circle leads us back to decreasing stress, your, your financial stress, which leads in your, into your health, well-being as uh-huh. well. Well, yep. yeah, it, uh, David, yeah, you've given me a ton to think about and I already work with someone, so I can only imagine what you're given to think about here. Anything else you'd like to add before we start thinking about, uh, before we start asking you where people can find you? Let's always be intentional with the areas of life that are important to us. Um, that includes absolutely your health, our health. We're getting to the time of the year where it's real easy to go to four Christmas parties in the course of a week. You know, one indulgent Christmas party, you probably would even agree. That's fine. You know, you're you're maybe picking out a little too much, but you're having you're being with friends and family. But if you're not intentional and you know, four or five or ten Christmas parties in a month, you know, there's your 10 pounds before Christmas. So be intentional with your health, be intentional with your relationships. I mean, marriage is hard. Um, Raising kids is hard. You have to be intentional. Well, same thing with money. We have to be intentional. And I actually got a really good piece of advice from another podcast guest that said, when there's something that you don't want to do or that you're struggling with, ask yourself why seven times. Okay. So I'm, 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 I'm doing an exercise and I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to do it. Well, why, why first should I do it? Well, cause Mike, Mike, my trainer is going to yell at me. Okay. Well, why is he going to yell at you? Well, because you're paying him to yell at you. Well, then why are you paying him to yell at you? Well, because I really want my wife to look at me differently because I want to be fit. Well, why do you want to be fit and want her to look at you? Because I love her and I want, and then I also want my kids to say, hey, he kind of fought through the dad bod and they're they're going to feel like I'm important. So there's always like, there's a much, much, much bigger reason on why we want to do something. So yes, there's the why of, I want to put a hundred dollars in my investment account. So I'll have a hundred more dollars, but it's deeper than that. It's what does that hundred dollars do for you? What does a hundred dollars over time do for you? Why, how do you feel after you do that? What's the impact that it has on your family, the people that love you and, and, and your life. And oftentimes that is how we 
that's how we break through and do the uncomfortable things. So, so think about why, why do we want to be financially successful? And almost nobody says, well, so I can have a Lamborghini and make Mike Riccio feel inferior to me because his car is not as cool. Now, everybody says some form of freedom, gratitude, um, generosity, things like that. So my favorite Ted talk is from Simon Sinek. And the title is start with why start with why mm-hmm. it's great, great talk. Yep. David, how can people find you, you, your podcast, and maybe possibly work with you? Yeah. So um, www.weeklywealthpodcast.com. Uh, we put out episodes on a weekly basis, mostly about financial topics, but we had a good guy on uh, that knew a lot about exercise and health uh, uh, recently. <laughs> so, uh, but, but again, that's wealth. Health is wealth. Uh, we talk with leadership coaches. We, we yeah. talk about financial topics. So www.weeklywealthpodcast.com. You can also download our, our roadmap to financial success. And then you know, if you have any questions, anything you want to bounce off, I'm always happy to talk for 30 minutes. David at parallelfinancial.com. If there are some next steps, we can take them. But if you just have any questions on something that's keeping you up at night, you know, we can just chat and you can get a, um, you know, a, a third party's uh, opinion. And, you know, I, I still have a few copies left of our firm's uh, chief investment officer wrote a book called Investment Lessons of 2020. So anybody who's interested, you know, I can get you a free printed copy of that. You know, just email me, David at parallelfinancial.com. I have a few of those, but it really just talks about how 2020 almost had decades worth of financial cycles in it and 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 what are some of the ways that we can think ourselves through how we handle our money. Uh, fascinating. And I will make sure, listeners, that all of that information is in the show notes for you to check out. Um, David, I want to thank you. This has been, it's been a, it's been a pleasure talking to you the last couple of weeks. And uh, thanks for being on. Absolutely. I enjoyed being on here. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm passionate about the health of our lives in, in, in all areas money, relationships, spirituality, and physical health. Listeners, there are so many connections between fitness and financial health. And when you start making those connections, life's just going to get a little better in general. Thank you always for listening. Please don't forget to rate and review and definitely, definitely check out David and everything uh, he has to offer. We'll see you next week and have a good day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast. Find more episodes like this at www.lifestyleasmedicinepodcast.com and visit www.marhealthandperformance.com and at Mar Health and Performance on both Facebook and Instagram for more great content and information about programs. Have a great day and see you next time.